What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vina Anazelli and Michael Nellen. We have another great show for you today. Before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. Guys, let's just jump right into the news and notes from around the world right now. Obviously, the biggest one coming straight from the Premier League with these massive allegations, uh, Mason Greenwood. Yeah, I don't think. I, we have what to else spend, you got to say? <laughs> I don't think we have to spend too much time on this one in particular. Uh, I don't obviously don't want to jump to he's guilty just yet, and I, don't, I know the videos came out and all that stuff. Go through the process, whatnot. But hopefully, first and foremost, um, that girl is, gets the help that she needs. Hopefully, her family gets the help that they need. Um, if he is guilty, lock his ass up straight up. Um, he's been removed from FIFA. He's been removed from all that stuff um, from Manchester United. They dropped him immediately. Yeah, they're, do, yeah, they're doing the, they're, they're, they're doing the right thing, uh, honestly. So, um, hopefully, she gets the help that she deserves. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't want to go. Uh, you know, I still believe in innocent until proven guilty, but that was pretty pretty damning. I don't know if you had a chance to watch. I, I didn't. The videos I didn't and everything it. else. I don't even um, see it. Pictures worth a thousand words. Put it that way. Uh, yeah, know. exactly. And videos worth a thousand words too. Uh, yeah, I mean. Fair, fair, fair play to uh, United, though, for immediately taking action. Like, the first thing I thought about was, okay, I think I'm going to just suspend them. They're going to, you know, do investigations. They were like, nope, you're fucking gone. Get out of here for now until we figure this shit out, which is, I think, good for them, which is kind of what you usually hope to see, like, in terms of things like racism that a lot of clubs or a lot of officials or, or um, you know, whatever, like, go on in the stands sometimes. And it's like, no, make mm-hmm. decisions, make them quick, and make them emphatic. And, and United yeah. did that. So I'm really happy to see that response. Yeah, I'm glad also the team itself, you know, from what it looked like, they just all unfollowed him. You know, they were just like, nope, not happening. We're not fucking with this. He's always looked um, like an angry little elf. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, wrong time to make a joke. <laughs> nah, nah, this is a good taste. No, demean him as much as possible. Fuck that. Domestic abuse is not funny. <laughs> but the jokes on the person committing it, oh, we might let yeah, this slide. I'm letting it go for that. Well, I will say Prison FC did get a new right wing. Yeah. <laughs> They need um, to replace Ronaldinho somehow. So, <laughs> him and Adam Johnson. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, Gelfi in the middle. I mean, <laughs> that's fucked up. Jesus. Serious note, though. Serious, man. Um, do you think this gives a lot of other women some possibly the strength to see kind of a a way out? And you think any any other cases are going to spur up because of this? Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that this is a platform and a launching pad for that. Um, and it doesn't prevent people from speaking up and being potentially harassed online. Cause I think I read a report too, that she had to like even turn off her Instagram or something. Cause I'm sure she was probably getting spammed by a bunch of people saying random shit. Bunch of morons. Yeah, exactly. Um, hopefully it inspires or not. I want to say inspires. That's not the right word, but it, it'll, Go it ahead. kickstarts. It kickstarts yeah, it like yeah. some courage. Yeah. more of like a light going exactly. off. Like no matter what situation you're in, regardless of the fact that your significant other or even not significant other, just one time fling is you know major mm-hmm. professional athlete making millions of dollars. Like there's still no excuse for it. Never mm-hmm. has been. Never will. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Onto some uh, lighter lighter notes. We had Frank Lampard get hired as the Everton coach. What do we mm-hmm. feel about that? All I'm going to say is that I called that after they sacked the crowd. <laughs> yeah. You go, who can they appoint? <laughs> Super Frankie. <laughs> I, I, you think it's a good appointment? I don't, I don't know who I'll say. Yeah. Who, who would they yeah. pick up? So 
I think he's good with the youth that Everton can bring through. You know, what I mean, they like to do that, obviously. And I think he'll, I think it's a good fit for him, both for him and the club. I think overall, and mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully, it's the ground running. He started off with a couple signings, which we'll touch on later, which which uh, seemed to be a pretty good start. A club in need of a leader, a man who was born a leader on the field. Uh, you could debatably say as a coach, yep. but um, I think he's a great fit for what that team needs right now in general yeah. lacking confidence he's the guy who can help him pull it out of a rut 100 percent. feel you i feel you another massive signing mike trying to wet your pants on this one <laughs> christian erickson is back and he's with brentford uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> he didn't listen um honestly great for the game to see him back in action love love it the horrific moment at the euros what do we think it's the right move for him? Just being honest, like, like obviously you want to have your health before anything else, especially when it comes I to mean, sports. But I don't think any team was going to take a not any team because obviously Brentford did, but I think it would, for a few. big a big team, whereas if we didn't take a chance on him, like I, I couldn't see it happening, and he probably had to go through that process. And I think it's only a six month loan contract, or not even loan contract, but a, second half guess, season only. Yeah, so I mean, it's more like a pay to play situation in a sense, in my eyes, and. Um, he does well. I'm sure he'll get other suitors and other people hitting him back up, but they have to obviously see that he's match fit and he won't collapse on a field. Uh, yeah. Definitely. As talented as he is. So if he yeah, can amazing, amazing 45, 60 or 90 though, him and like Tony up front and, and Wembo, like, like, for, like lethal. That can, be, that can be sick to watch. Lethal. And that's a smart play for Brentford too, because they have to be looking around the league going while we might be in 14th place, we're sitting at 23 points. That's only eight away from the relegation zone and given the spending that Newcastle just did, you'd have to think that they're going to start making a push towards that. So mm. they, they identified a need. They picked up Christian Erickson, no transfer fee, probably didn't yeah, pay him a hundred million dollars. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not, yeah. probably not paying him a sizable fee, just a little bit of cover to help maintain your, your, your lead above uh, Norwich, Watford and Burnley. I think it's a smart move all around. It's a, it's a great move. Yeah. A phenomenal move for them. Yeah. For everybody. Uh, a couple of transfers coming out of Italy, Vahalovic to Juve, even though they are considered um, under investigation, they can spend 80 to 100 million regardless. <laughs> and then uh, Gosset's over to Inter. I think that's a pretty good move for them right now. Um, yeah. Sucks mm-hmm. for Atalanta to lose him, though. Yeah. That race is going to get even tighter at the top in Italy. Not to not for nothing, but some teams made some good moves. Um, we'll see what happens. So Yeah, big, big statement by uh, Juventus. Obviously, that's what they needed. You see they're, they're also uh, apparently marking – uh, Kessie as their main target in the summer. So that'll be interesting, interesting uh, storyline come six um, months. That, what does that mean for McKenny? Uh, well, that. I mean, there's already been talks speculating about him making a move over to making a switch to Tottenham, right? Or, or several other clubs. I think That's, they'd be silly to get rid of McKenny given, I mean, not only his talent on the field, but also what he brings in revenue just from probably shirt sales and everything else. Um, but, yeah, if you're having a big name American over, over abroad, like, yeah. like the, Kit sales, everything like it's massive exposure. Mm-hmm. Then we had a few, you know, big name Americans make some moves overseas. Uh, Ricardo Pepe, probably the most one of the most notable uh, over to Augsburg. That was a mm-hmm. little while ago. Diarro DK over to West Brom. He's hurt right now, unfortunately. Um, Paredes to Wolfsburg. James Sands on loan to Rangers. Matt Turner very recently signed a nice deal to go to Arsenal. George Bello. Uh, over to Germany as well. Can't pronounce that. Not going to try. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Brian Reynolds is on loan to. Good luck with that one too. <laughs> yeah, we're going to skip that name. But uh, he left. For, he left Roma for a little while because he wasn't enough time, which is a good move for him. Yeah, 
a lot of um, activity for Americans in the January transfer window. Um, that's not even it. that's not even the people we are not even mentioning. Um, it's it's phenomenal to see, especially all the young talent making that jump overseas. So yeah, I, which one uh, is most intriguing to you? Turner well, to Arsenal. That's what I would have said too. No, what's in, what's intriguing about that? There's, he's not going to play. That's, that's, the whole, that's, that's intriguing. That he, he made the move. Why would he not make the move from his perspective? It's, you know, he's going I, to play for Arsenal undrafted. But the main I mean, reason he was able to skip Stefan was Stefan wasn't getting game time over at City and he was getting regular first team minutes with, with uh, the yeah. reps. So, like, I'm, I'm sorry, there's nothing intriguing about that. <laughs> I, I, you're blogging. We, we from said earlier, we were from a USA about... standpoint, yes, from like a world perspective, like, no, like Messi doesn't care. He trains <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah, like that's nothing. But from ours, I would say it's massive because, like, that puts. Like he's literally doing the exact same thing Stefan did, pretty mm, much, yeah. right? Like identical at this point because they're but they're both gonna be backups. I don't see either one of them starting over either Edison or Ramsdale. Maybe if anything, Turner has a better a, a better chance. But yeah, in the form I, Ramsdale's in right now, I'm saying he has like a better right chance. Ederson's sick. <laughs> All right, maybe well, maybe it's better playing from out of, out of the back now though. It is possible. <laughs> I don't know. Two <laughs> less heart attacks otherwise. Uh. <laughs> On my perspective, I think the Justin Che move to Hoffenheim is by far the most intriguing. I think he gets immediate game time in that team. Um, also, I believe that's where Chris Richards, Richards is at too. Yeah, that should be so I, I think that'll be a pretty sweet combination. Hopefully he gets on a side note uh, back from his injury a lot quicker than expected. And luckily it wasn't worse in the Canada game. What did they come um, out with? I actually didn't see see what they're... And they just said it was a high ankle sprain for a couple of weeks. But um, hopefully he'll be back playing for Hoffenheim relatively soon. But I think that Justin Shea move in particular, that'll be very intriguing. He gets a good amount of game time. I saw some videos of him in training. He looks like he was already kind of tearing that team up. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how he does that. Cool. Definitely a position the USA need. And uh, let's just head right into the U.S. Uh, we've, we're in an international break right now. Um, first game up, we had a one nothing win over El Salvador. Curious about your guys' thoughts. My personal opinion, sloppy, disjointed, and a defender bailed us out. Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but overall, that's probably the case. I mean, it's not like El Salvador didn't have a chance now and again. Actually, for the in the first half, I think the best chance came from the El Salvador side um, when they flashed one just wide of the just wide of the post. Mm-hmm. It definitely wasn't their best performance. Um, and to be honest, I had a lot of the same thoughts as I think it, I, whoever was the main announcer for that game. He was saying the same thing. He's like, he's like, um, you could afford to not play well sometimes I understand that, but it's all about having to grind that out. So to me, this is still a positive. I'm not happy about the way they played, but if you want to get to where you need to go, you have to find a way to win these scrappy games when you're not at your best. And I think that says more about that match to me than, than some of the letdown performances of the the night. Yeah. It's, it's a game that was a must win, obviously El Salvador and Honduras, these two games and even more so the Honduras game. But, um, I think it piggybacks off the greater issue of about the fact tactically where Burhalter has this team set up and what he's expecting them and wants them to do. Um, it it there's nothing happening in the first 45 minutes. They play like they're, in my opinion, a little scared um, to take a chance and do what they, I feel like, creatively have the ability to do. Um, and it's it's kind of upsetting to watch. And I feel like that was on full display against Canada, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, Rob. I mean, Robinson had a, a great game. Um, I mean, you know, there were guys that had great games. I mean, I thought Dest was fantastic. I thought Robinson was great. Um, 
Zimmerman controlled the back pretty well as well. And even though Ferrer didn't get on the score sheet, it was a surprise to see him starting at, at the front there. But I thought he was very, very lively, actually, and get it, trying yeah. to get on the end of anything as possible. Obviously, he got a little unlucky with one or two chances he might have, you know, probably should have put away, but he's a young guy. Um, but it was good to see that we have that other, that third option when, you know, if Pepe's not firing or Zardes isn't able to do that hold up play, we have a different style in Ferreira. He got unlucky, definitely. There was two chances where, I think one he skied over from like yeah. point blank range and another one, he had a, a sweet, sweet touch in the box and then just shot it. A that was the one high. I thought he should have scored the second one. This Mike's describing the first one was a tough, very tough angle. And he just like his, his whole thing was like, I'm going to rip this as hard as I can just to get it past the keeper, which I get mm-hmm. just guys. But yeah. the second one, I thought he really should have, it was right before half time. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yep. He, he was right on. I think Des played a, a light ball in and McKenny flicked it on with his head, mm-hmm. right. That to the back post. Yeah. yeah he was, he was there. Then we uh, had a more unfortunate game. Uh, two nothing loss to Canada. It was one nothing most of the game. Uh, Canada scored in the sixth minute and then locked it away in extra and uh, stoppage time in the second half. Um, weird game, in my opinion. Uh, lacking in the final third, but also at the same time, I felt like we were like our response to the goal was very well. We just mm-hmm. had nothing that just did not have that final pass or ball. Um, vulnerable on the outside, in my opinion, because once Desk and Robinson are up, I'm not saying our center backs are bad, but like you could tell when there's pace we were in some danger. Yeah, they were exposed. Yeah. Um, like I was stating earlier, I think tactically they want to work everything wide and then kind of play back through the middle and play this slow type of possession game, which statistically that's what they did. And that's how they, you know, if in Greg's eyes, they did a good job and they executed on that game plan. But like I was stating, I feel like it lacks that killer instinct or that creativity in the middle of the park to get the ball moving quicker to make that key incisive pass and place someone into space to go one-on-one and um i think that was a huge cause of being able to break down the low block for canada canada in my opinion had a perfect game plan executed it out bullied out muscled a mm-hmm. lot of players were getting in like the players heads like destin buchanan going at it that was a hell of a matchup to watch oh, it was a yeah. phenomenal matchup the other center back too i forget his name but um i think it was like miller or something along those lines at victoria they were very much just throwing elbows they were throwing around the center forwards and the wingers like rag dolls at the end of the day. aronson i think on one play literally got trampled on yeah. um like it not to say that usa couldn't have scored but i feel like canada just totally out execute executed their game plan and Berhalter was out coached at the end of the day yeah, a couple. I mean, a couple of poor performances. I, I think overall, if you look at both those games, I think we performed better against Canada yes. in terms of play style and, and controlling the tempo of the match, especially against a better team in a, in the Canadian side. Um, but it came down to what Steve, what you said earlier. It just the front the front three aren't working. I mean, I think Kristen Pulisic was probably the worst player over overall in those two games by any other player on the field when's the last time you've had this you've said that (laughs) no i know that no but that's what i'm saying saying, but like it's not his job to do it it's not a job to do it canada game he played i thought very well but i I thought it was going to like streak into like the second half and then but yeah if you take his whole el salvador game in the second half of canada game like that's the worst stretch i've seen from him at least in a usa jersey like Vito said in a long time exactly and and my problem isn't with that performance i mean the guy's allowed a you know an off week here and there given everything he's done for this this team but we talked about so many times about how we have these dangerous wingbacks that like to get up the field and play in dangerous crosses, but they just, they're, they end up falling to the other team nine times out of 10. My thing is you bring in a player like Jesse Zardes in that front line to kind of help with that hold up play and get on the ends of some of these. And he drew one foul in the entire game and, and lost uh, 
over half his duels, I think, at that time. So I was, uh, if Pulisic isn't going to perform, you need someone else to step up and kind of help out there. And I mean, the front three just looked a little bit, I don't know, starved of the ball at times too, like trying to find space. Yeah. They, I, I really think they were missing Waya in this game, yeah. to, be, to be frank. Um, I think Waya is a player, not to say Pulisic isn't, but, or Aronson isn't, you know, or anything along those lines, but he offers a different dimension to that team where he has a serious ability to go one-on-one and also deliver an end product at the end of it, not just sending a ball in and hoping for the best and it gets cleared out and recycled. Um, I think a lot of the times he's going to be the person to pick out somebody to at least have a half chance on goal. Um, him Were not you guys being there surprised was by thing. the, by the Zardes um, selection? <laughs> not overly. Uh, not, yeah, not too much. Cause it's a lot of MLS players. Zardes is an MLS player. They probably thought familiarity, um, you know, I, I, that's my opinion of it. And Greg is typically, he, he, you know, he plays his cards close where he will pick his favorites. So when, when it comes down to it, so yeah. Not surprised I, by it. I, I do think we were a little bit unlucky in that in that Canada game. I mean, the opening goal, the last last goal was what? It almost at full time, right? It was 90 plus something. Yeah, it was at the very end. It was just it was, yeah. the, it was icing on the cake. Yeah. And in the first goal that was given up, really the only the, the first big and big chance that was given up, it was just not a great clearance out of the back, to be completely honest with you. I it wasn't like they had the, the team got split on a string of you know 10 passes and were out of positioning. It was just one of those things, the ball didn't get cleared far enough the field, and Canada won one header, one pass, and they were in behind. You know, it's it's that happens time to time, and it's not obviously great. But again, I don't think we we knew coming into this game that if we didn't get all three points, winning the other two games still was a fair result overall. Yeah. So I think at the at, I don't want to overreact to the loss, but I also don't hmm. want to say that it was a one off because, I mean. The writings of it on the wall the past couple of weeks in the yeah. cycles. Like it's been the same style. Exactly. They haven't been scoring goals freely in the first half of games and they've been doing it late. And not to say like to Vito's point earlier, you know, if you get the win, you get the win. And the whole goal is to get to the world cup. But, you know, if we get to the world cup and we're just going to be playing teams that are just, honestly might just shit on us from the way we're playing and we're just going to get countered the way we get countered, then what's, what's the point? Yeah. I, I also think, tell me your thoughts. I, I'm, pretty sure you're going to agree with me on this one um this pretty much cemented our best three midfield is musa adams mckinney that wasn't yeah. even a question yeah, that no. was, it, yeah, like that is without a doubt it, not it's, even it's 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 by far head and shoulders the yeah. best combination do you, you think the united states makes the world cup if not for those three in the midfield no assuming they make the world cup i don't think they do if without them no i i don't i, I think very tough I think it would be dropping very. Yeah, I I highly doubt it. Musa's ability to, and I was commenting to you guys on this in the game, especially that Canada game to just take people out in the middle of the park, turn them is like, it's like Musa Dembele. (laughs) He's ridiculous on us on a separate note. Um, It was, it was a shame to see Adams go down a little. It looked like he was like walking off under his own power. So hopefully we get an update on that injury, but I saw a hamstring. So, I mean, that could be a little while. Okay. But um, yeah, by far the best three midfield trio we have. Um, I'm super excited in particular. Like I can't rave enough about Musa. I think that kid's ceiling is through the goddamn roof. So. It forces when uh, Gio Reyna comes back, it forces him to only play for right wing at this point or like a false nine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I'm very happy about the strength of lineups that we put out for both these games though. I, um, I think that we know what our best lineup is at this point for the most part. I mean, we know, like you said, we know the midfield three, 
we know Pulisic, and then it's a switch between Weya and Aronson, which I don't think it's it's like it's just a personal preference in my opinion because they're both mm-hmm. very very good. I think the only two positions that's a toss up is the combination at center back and who you want starting week and out at striker, but that's most likely Ricardo Pepe, right? Yeah, I think if I was picking the yeah, I'm sorry, Mike. Go. I was, I think he'll probably pick Pepe to start the game um, for the center back combination. That's a whole nother conversation. I mean, it's inexplicable to, in my opinion, to leave John Brooks off a second time. I get you wanted to make a point the first go around at it, but the dude is by far our best center back. And I, I don't see the reasoning behind leaving him out. I will say Zimmerman has been looking good. I'm not saying Zimmerman hasn't been looking good. I'm just saying yeah, it's John fucking Brooks. Like he's the best center back we have. I... Agreed. So let's, let's get into the Honduras outlook a little bit. Um, obviously we already mentioned some injuries. There's going to be no Adams, no Richards as well. Um, Tim Wea is back and available though. This game's being played in the States. So we don't have to worry about any uh, vaccination stuff going on. We're tied with points with Mexico, but remain in second place because they had a draw with Costa Rica, which was uh, in my opinion, massive for us. Huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a must win game. Our next three games uh, the, uh, the last window, we have Mexico, third place below us, Panama, fourth, Costa Rica, fifth. Mm-hmm. If we lose or draw this game and Costa Rica beats Jamaica, there's a very legitimate chance they can go on a sh- – like, granted, they have, they have a tough schedule as well. They have us in Canada. But it's not locked up anymore. Like, if we win this game, I'm not saying it's locked, but, like, a five-point lead with a couple games to go is very – relatively safe. But Yeah. 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 It's yeah. the biggest game since – the U.S. Richard and Dad and Tobago, my opinion. T-team. I'm straight up. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is your point. Like, this is the win, must win, like, at all costs game. Yeah. We've had to say that a lot it, this window. Especially when you consider that Costa Rica <laughs> is probably yeah. the one you need to worry about because that's kind of the position that the United States don't want to be in down at that point of the table. Mm-hmm. You and want to walk in that last El Salvador and, and Jamaica left to play other than the USA that makes it Canada. And by the time they play Canada, the not next match, the following match, Canada could have it locked up already and don't need to put out of lineup. So you're talking about exactly. three potential games against a B team and two teams are already out. Exactly. So yeah, I, I agree with Mike. I mean, I mean, don't get wrong. This could turn into, you know, next round we're at the last match day and that's what determines it. And okay. Now that becomes the biggest one, but at this point in time, yeah, you're right. This is it. You, you walk out of here, anything less than a win against a team who doesn't have a win when you're fighting to stay in that position, mm-hmm. anything but a win is unacceptable. Yeah. And it's, it's at home. Like it's yeah. Where are they playing that game? Do you know? Uh, I have this. What? Uh, it's another Midwestern uh, one. I'm pretty Kansas sure. Kansas city it? or something. Allianz field. Allianz field. Is that, L- is that LA? New Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Minnesota. What the Minnesota. Fuck? What? Freeze them out, yeah. baby. You do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, what are, so I'm going to give you guys two takes of what I, I really want to see personally, um, just in the upcoming game. First off, Pepe's got to start, in my opinion. There's no doubt about it. He didn't start the first two games, and I thought that was a pretty big mistake on uh, Greg's part. Second thing, I want to see a formation change. I don't think what our 4 3 3 is working. I think it's boring. I think every team's finding it out. If we had a full squad right now, I would say the two, the two defensive backs would be uh, Wes and Adams. Adams covering the back, Wes getting up and down, box to box mid. I would love to see Musa farther up higher on the field. I feel yeah. like sometimes when him and McKenney are in the midfield together, both are almost hesitant to make the runs forward and drive into that midfield area. And our biggest, our biggest disconnect right now is from our defense to our offense or our, to our striker, like that passing in between. 
Mm-hmm. Like I feel like there's just a big gaping hole right in the middle of the field the entire time. Mm-hmm. So if I was like, I, I don't know about predicted lineups and all that kind of stuff, but in my opinion, I think switching it to a four, three or four, two, three, one would be massive help for our team. At least. I don't think Burl Halter's ego will allow him to do that. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> He's too focused on his shoe game and bounce back. They were tight though. <laughs> uh, they were, but um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Steve. I think in an ideal world, uh, of change of formations probably needed and they need to plug that gap in the middle to really connect the dots, so to speak, between the defensive midfielders and like the striker and have somebody to have those one twos play those balls, be able to beat a man in the middle of the park, right? And make defenders commit. Um, I don't think it's gonna happen. I still think we'll probably see the four three three formation that he'll put out there. It'll probably be a pretty similar lineup to what we've seen and when what I'd expect. But um yeah, I mean if they, if they don't, if they don't, honestly, if they don't, if this game isn't over at halftime, like if it's not one nothing at halftime and they're not just like cruising, I almost in my head would consider that a failure. Like it's, they have to just come out full throttle, like not even give this chance, a team a chance to breathe at yeah. the end of the day. And truth be told, that's actually not like an easy thing to do for this team. Like historically speaking, throughout the entire qualifiers, the first half they've fallen on their face. I think yeah. there was a, a stat at one point that said, um, We've the goal score like was like 11 in the two. second half and what two in the first half throughout yeah, all the one qualifiers. Or two we've only scored. Yeah. And out of even when they were playing El Salvador, who had recorded one win at that point in time, um, they had led more games than the national than us than the United States because we're not scoring so, until so late. So mm-hmm. I, I I think that's a major point. If anything, that's more of a worry for me than the formation is the fact that mm-hmm. what is going on that we're taking so long to get on that front foot. I don't think we high press. Like we we bring it after halftime and, and wait like late on in the game to the, get the press going on other teams for some reason I don't know why, like when we high press our midfielders are farther up the field so they're already getting the ball in, in better more dangerous situations the striker doesn't have to worry about coming back and collecting it and then playing it off which truthfully we really don't have a good I'm, false nine, number nine on our team we don't I was I, actually just thinking about the formation that if you drop Pulisic <laughs> with two strikers like Pepe and then Wea use the pace away let him flank out wide at times if he needs to act more as a winger and let Pulisic just kind of have free roam over over into empty space try to get him I more involved Reyna in the play. Reyna would be perfect for that kind of role. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, perfect. So, but I mean that's at least my personal opinion of what I would like to see. Obviously, Greg's not going to do it, but I mean, <laughs> your opinion is about opinions. Yeah. <laughs> anything else on the u.s though i mean i I, am not upset with the window so far i truthfully i really did not expect us to go into canada and win i i i I, I didn't i didn't i didn't either i was gonna be psyched with a draw and then i i i think in the back of my mind i i really felt like we were gonna lose that game which is i guess bad to kind of think about but um, i think on a side note and this is i know i was kind of hyping up canada before and i have previously i think this just goes to show they did this without their best player also on the field, they didn't have Alfonso Davies. Poor Destiny um, to deal with. Granted, though, his replacement was I, player of the match. I, I'm just saying, yeah. like that game could have been so much worse for yeah. the United States if they played the way they played. And Alfonso Davies is on that field. They can thank their lucky stars; he was not on that field. And I feel like that know, was still they're they're the real deal, man. I think in the World Cup, they they go make a serious dark horse run. I I think that was Honestly. a really good loss for the U.S. though, because that's like kind of a it's basically a bigger reminder of like, hey, this is. Yeah, it's Concacaf, but every mm-hmm. team is still just as good, and Canada is growing, and they're they're just as good as the week we are now. Yeah, yeah. and it, it felt it felt to me like 
the United States has more overall talent on the field, but the star power for Canada and, and Lauren and David uh, and Buchanan uh, is, was just too much. Like those couple guys that are at the next tier together. make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have all the guys at the big name clubs now. I mean, Chelsea, Juventus, a couple of injuries. Like you can just go on and on. Desk at Barcelona. Yeah, but and I think I think their big name stars are farther along than some of progress. our big name stars. I, oh, a thousand percent. Davies is playing weekend week yeah. for Bayern. Jonathan David is out of his probably, skull. Probably and about Lara to get a, probably about scorer. to get a, yeah probably about to get a transfer to some big club at yeah. the end of the day. Carl Laren's playing amazingly. Tejan Buchanan's just got a transfer and he's doing really well. Yep, and I two mean, of those guys are strikers, and the other one, uh, Alfonso Davies, can pretty much be a striker. So it's like yeah, they're. I would agree. I would agree. They they're far ahead of the, in terms of progression for some of our best players. Yeah. So, well, glad we ended on the pressing note there, guys. Let's head over to the Premier League. <laughs> we're, we're coming back with another new match. We only, look, we only we just dropped two bombs. Yeah, that's all. We just brought <laughs> bombs. All right. <laughs> Love it. People aren't ready for that. <laughs> Uh, let's head into the we have we're not going to cover most of the games this week, but big talking point, obviously the end of the transfer window. We're gonna go over some winners, some losers, some clubs that kind of did eh along the way. First up, one of the biggest winners, in my opinion, Ashton Villa, uh Coutinho, uh Digne, and uh Calum- <laughs> I can't say it, dude. He's French. <laughs> I'm Irish. It ain't gonna come off the tongue, man. It just won't. Hey, at least he said Aston Villa, right? Not Lips Lisbon. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably my worst one. I'm not gonna lie. Every time. And then uh Callum Chambers as well. Spent some good money, brought in a great coach, Steven Gerrard. Honestly, I don't think I don't think their January could have, or at least maybe even December or January. I forget when they, they brought in Stevie G, but it couldn't have gone much better for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And they already got a return on investment on Dina and uh Coutinho, right? Yeah, one got an assist. One, yeah, like both were instant. Um, so I'd say money well spent hundred percent, and they're gonna keep pushing so to climb up the table. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Great job by them. I, in my opinion, the probably the, the ma- it's close, but I think the major winners in the Premier League for the winter market. No, it's it's got to be Newcastle. The next one up, baby. <laughs> the next one up as as a major winner. They got Trippier, Chris Wood from their again relegation candidate who they stole him off. Of. <laughs> That's beyond hey, that fair and square. That's petty shit. That was that was the ultimate like April Fool's joke for thirty million dollars. <laughs> like, we're going down, you're going down with us. <laughs> they also got Bruno, and I'm like, I can't pronounce his last name, but Bruno G from Leon, who's a phenomenal midfielder. You see a serious talent, and yeah. then Dan Byrne from Brighton. I mean, they literally bought their way out of the relegation battle, in my opinion. Now um, they have them. They have Alan Saint Maximin. They have a solid core, to be honest. Now a solid spine in that team, and I, I don't see them at this point getting relegated. I was down on them before, and then they made all these moves in the past week, and now it's I, I don't I can't deny it at this point. Is my fifteenth prediction looking good now? Honestly, yeah, it, getting better. Yeah, they're gonna bet that. Damn, the odd, the odds went from like plus six hundred to like plus two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Creeping. Uh, next up, Everton. Frankie Lampard getting hired. Great signing for them there. Delhi uh, got brought in. El Ghazi. Um, they got 25 mil for Digne. <laughs> and they got Donnie Vanderbeek. And uh, yeah, yeah Van, Vanderbeek as well. Um, mm-hmm. Cautiously optimistic with Everton, obviously, just the way their season's been going so far, but also the mm-hmm. fact that they had a pretty good, what we thought was a pretty good mm-hmm. summer window, and it hasn't turned out to be as great as expected. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I thought pretty good moves to strengthen up the squad. And if they work out, I mean, 
all the best to him. If I'm not mistaken, though, Delhi and Vanderbeek both are um, loans, though, right? So Delhi, Delhi's was a Delhi's kind of a permanent. It's like a free transfer, but that it depends on the number of games he plays or something along those lines. It's, okay. it's a little, it's a little weird how that one was worked out. And then the Vanderbeek is a is a loan, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. El Ghazi kind of came out of left field, but I, I I like him a lot. I think he's mentally talented, and I think he's going to fit right into that team. I wasn't – I mean, I think he's a good squad player. I'm not sure they need a squad player. I think they need somebody to take them by the horns and help drive them forward. I so. don't know. Like a bull by the horns. a whole new squad. <laughs> <laughs> I just but. thought dodgeball, man. That was a great, great quote there, Mike. I didn't even know you did it. Uh, then we had Liverpool. Um What's your guys' take on them for the most part? I think the Luis Diaz move was massive. Uh, I think he's going to come in and ultimately make them a much better team. He's going to help challenge them and even more so than they have been with City. Um, he's Sadio Mane's apparent heir at this point. Um, he, just get him for, I think, 45 mil or whatever it was. 40 I think, plus on the 20 add-ons. I, I think that's more than a fair price. And I honestly think within like two years time, we'll be saying they probably got a steal for him uh, in yeah. all honesty. So he's, the he's just deal. about to start hitting his prime too. So you give yeah. him this year to really get acclimated. And then he's 2017, 27 years old, 26 years old, just absolutely tearing it up. And I mean, who's better to learn from the Premier League at this point than Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah from Jurgen Klopp, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, expecting big things from him. It's a great move. That's fair. Um, and last but not least, Mike wrote this section up, so obviously he had to throw Spurs in there as a winner. <laughs> I was looking um, for them down in the worst transfers. <laughs> how? How was it bad? Know, well, prior, got, it let, no, wait, wait, let them explain. Let, it's it's a it's look innocent yeah. for, guilty here. For, for thank you. First and foremost, uh, <laughs> um, I will say my heart goes out for Deli Ali. I love that guy to death. Loved him as a player. To see him leave the way he left, um, extremely sad, but. Definitely the right time, the right move for him. I'll say that. And I wish him the best of luck. As for Ndombele and Lo Celso, I have tried my hardest since they've been at this club to give them the benefit of the doubt. But my God, have they shit the bed. I read a stat that they only had together, I think, eight or nine goals combined between the two of them and like 114 Premier League games, something along those lines. Paulinho, for context, scored more for Spurs. And he was one of the most hated players for Spurs when he joined when they, with the bail money. So when I read that stat, I immediately became angered and I said, perfect, get him out. Let's move the wage bill. Brought in Kulaveski, brought in Benteker. Um, I think that's what, those are the types of players Conte wants. And more importantly, they fit into his system. I'm super excited to see Kulaveski in particular. I think he brings a ton of creativity in the middle of the park that's needed. Um, so I think right now, good. It's going to be even a bigger summer. So. Yeah, you knew Conte was going after exactly who he wanted. I mean, he's always been a manager who goes – you know, this is what I need to win. Go out and get it. I don't need these gigantic starting players that people that work these systems and they're going to do it perfectly for him. I bent to core was, was a great pickup. And I, I who do you think is going to be a better signing? Kulaveski or Pentecore? Uh, I mean, that's, that's a good question. I, from what I've read, Bentecor has the ability to have a couple mind gaffes and bad situations, give the ball away in key areas every once in a while. I've heard he's a great midfielder, but I think and right at Spurs, if you ask me. I know. <laughs> but I think Kulaveski is going to potentially have the bigger impact because they've been lacking somebody who has the ability to really drive besides Son with the ball and create something and be an assister, kind of what that Erickson replacement was. I'm not saying Kulaveski is Erickson, 
what I am saying is his ability to create space for himself, his teammates, his ability to pick a pass and shoot and score. You know, I, I do think he's going to be a, a big signing down the line. Interesting. Okay. So what I got out of that was Mike called them a winner because it was more like addition by subtraction, just getting rid of the bad players. Got it. Exactly. Unnecessary players. Fair enough. Just want to make sure I'm on, I'm on the same page here. Moving on to the meh category. <laughs> uh, Brentford, first up, obviously, they, had, they we brought it up already. Christian Eriksen, great signing for them. If you know, it works out to how everyone wants to envision it working out. Um, other than that, though, really not too much on their end. But um, yeah, hopefully it works out. Uh, Chelsea... Sending out Ooh. some loans again, baby. Take advantage while you can. <laughs> I actually would have put them in the bad category, not the mech. Really? Category. Yeah, to wow, be honest, nice just for the sole fact that that team is so hampered by injuries at the moment, backs right especially now. in the wingback position, that it was – Fair enough. And there was options on the table. Like, Dinier enough. was an option even for a six-month loan. There was enough enough opportunities in the table that they could have brought in even temporary replacements just for a little bit of cover to shore up a top-four spot. Um, and – I think everyone in the world knew they needed to make certain moves and that none of them were even sniffed at other than Dembele from Barcelona, which I would have shot myself over. <laughs> yeah. It's just so you need another winger. Yeah. That's doesn't play to injury. <laughs> or just sits behind the other 14 that we have. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Actually, you really didn't like their window too much. I thought they, they really had to go out and get a wing back to fit Tuchel's system because the four back with Alonzo is um, let's just say it's not working. <laughs> Politely, just saying it's not working. I mean, um, the most hated player at the club for me is not working. No way. I hate him. I, I, listen, I've never, oh, I've, oh, I've never oh, been a fan of him, him but when he's him. in form, playing the wingback role that he should be playing, because that's the only position that's made for this man, <laughs> and he's hitting like free kicks and shit. It's like, wow, look, look how good he can be. And then you put him in the four back situation, you're like, wow, look like how bad reserves. he can be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a training pole. <laughs> It's, it's, it's that dude is, there's no in between. You're hot and cold. Yeah. It's, like it's, it's bad. Uh, moving on, Crystal Palace missed out on Vanderbeek. Unfortunately, it would have been awesome to watch him and Gallagher in the middle of the field. I thought that would have been a crazy combination. Um, nothing crazy. No, no other real major headlines. Uh, Gene, Philip, uh, Mateta, if I said that correctly, to a long term deal, though. Jean Philip. Jean. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta pronounce your French better, man. <laughs> All right, I took Spanish in high school, and I barely passed that, dude. I filled every midterm final. Uh, who else we got here? Uh, Man City didn't really do too much. They did offload Fernand Torres though to Barca. Thought that was a pretty good move. <laughs> you just changed. I hate you. <laughs> I wish we could put that, was that on. That the easiest on, on one. This. Come on. I didn't change anything. You just pronounced Barcelona wrong. <laughs> I said Barca. Oh my God. Barca? Okay. Barca. Barca. <laughs> anyway. anyway moving on that. But yeah, the, they did make that big signing in on uh, Julian Navarez, if you probably pronounce that correctly. Um, that kid was. No, no. I'm, I'm really, I'm shook. I'm scared to speak. <laughs> but this kid was absolutely tearing it up in Argentina. Like, absolutely just yeah. taking teams apart. I, I think, I think he finished the league with like, um, like 18 goals and six assists in like 21 matches or something absurd. He's, like he, he's, he's definitely a talent to watch. Yeah. He's, he's the real deal uh, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I'm curious the thought process on him. Where if they want to play him through the middle or an outside though. Yeah. Probably maybe it's, maybe it's the way their it's lineup fall, is. false nines. <laughs> Apparently anyone can play there now. Um, next up though. And the meh category Southampton didn't have really much happen. Probably could use another striker. 
realistically, it's whatever for them. Um, moving on, Watford, they were actually pretty active. They brought in, well, they fired Ranieri, right? Hired Roy Hodgson. And then a couple people here and there, in and out. But the key question is, is it going to help them get out of the relegation zone? Probably not. Not looking likely. Not looking likely. Yeah. Wolves was interesting, though. Adama moving on midway through the season to Barca. I mean, I know he came up through the academy there, and that's, you know, probably his boy of club. Because I think he was there for, like, what, eight to ten years or something? Like, some like a decent amount of time. He's yeah. there for a while. Um, I think he's a pretty decent signing for Barca, at, especially at the price they got him for. Not it's, that it's Barca. I knew they could spend money. <laughs> it but, is Barca. <laughs> um, I was surprised that Wolves let him go this point in the season. Do you know if he was tricked? They triggered a, like a release clause. No, they couldn't have. I, th- I think it's. I think it's like an option to buy for X amount of money or something along those lines. Yeah, I just. So it was a little surprising that he was going to leave during a top four push where Wolves are playing so well at this time. I mean, it wasn't top, like he was – I wouldn't say top four, but it wasn't like he was getting much game time under Bruno Large anyway right now. Not nearly as much as he was yeah. last season. Yeah. So I think it's the right move for them. They get money while they can. And then also they – I guess because they had a He Chan on loan and they signed him permanently, which is a move I personally love. Um, third most dangerous Korean in the world. <laughs> yeah. So Who's number one and two, Mike? Uh, son and then Mr. Kim. <laughs> Mr. <Mister> Kim. <laughs> love, love how you put it. Got to be polite to the man. Don't, he's a little, little bit wacky. Um, moving on to the losers category. Obviously, like we mentioned before, Mike made this up. So Arsenal to stick it right. <laughs> Look, they didn't sign anybody. They got rid of Aubameyang, which I guess is a win in certain scenarios. You got rid of somebody you didn't want there and got – I think they got some money from him or for him from Barcelona. No, that was a free transfer, wasn't it? Oh, was it really? Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they, they missed out on Vahalovic. They missed out on Isak. Um, did they really have a chance for Vahalovic, though? <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> they missed, but <laughs> – Yeah, I mean, if – I don't know. Obviously, Stan Kroenke is more focused on the Rams right now than he is on ourselves. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. But, um, yeah, they're in the Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was, I think it's been pretty glaring. We've been saying this, you know, Lacazette's not getting any younger. They, Martinelli maybe could fill that void, but long term, they need to find somebody to play up top. Um, and I think if not this window or this past January, this summer, they have to get somebody if they want to be serious about pushing for top four, realistically. Oh, yeah. It was a little, there was more of a story of them losing than it was not trying to act and what was funny was this came this comes after what two weeks ago Arteta said that ours Arsenal can still attract the best players in the world and then they just go out and miss literally every target they possibly wanted and then ended up with two young Americans one of which is a backup for when he gets there <laughs> they're I, you could both say they're backups but yeah <laughs> well yeah well one is I don't even know if it's a backup yet to be honest <laughs> agreed agreed uh, moving on, we also have uh, Brighton loaned out a bunch of guys, sold their defender burn to uh, Newcastle. Um, obviously, Ben White was sold in the summer, but the money really hasn't flown in much for uh, for them after after the sale. Yeah, you would think you know they would you know they seem like the type of club that's on the forefront of like ideas. Let's just say that, and maybe they looked at their XG every once in a while and say, hey, we have all these chances, and we need someone it's to work. <laughs> You know, um, 
you'd think they'd get a striker similar to Arsenal and make like the ability to take that leap forward as a team. So I was kind of disappointed to see that they didn't do anything in the summer. They didn't do anything in January. Um, hopefully they do something in the summer window. Yeah. Uh, then we have Burnley. Oh, Burnley. Oh, Burnley. <laughs> Burnley. I mean, obviously the, the most glaring one is Wood going away over to uh, Newcastle, but, I mean, just just a lack of additions when they desperately need it. I, I mean, if you're, I understand that not all the clubs have the financial might that the others do, and but the fact of the matter remains that Burnley are still in the Premier League, and if they wanted to mm-hmm. be after this season, it depended on what they did during this window, and they fell clear fat flat on their their face in this one. Um, I think after just such a non-existent window, I think you have to write them as probable relegation candidates at this point. Um, especially yeah. given the way that everyone else has kind of worked down there. Mm-hmm. So it's a little disappointing to see. I can't imagine Sean Dyche is happy. His red hair might literally have gone actually on fire. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. I feel like Newcastle were probably the only bottom tier team, granted, obviously, a relatively large financial injection. Um, but they were the only team near the bottom. I feel like they actually helped themselves out and pushing forward towards uh, I, I would agree. Table. Well, Everton are down there themselves. Don't forget, they're pretty close to the bottom as well. But yeah, overall, <laughs> when you're talking about like the, the the likely relegation candidates in those three teams that are there now and Norwich, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Everton is much. I just can't believe they're. I mean, it's just we're so used to them being like mid-table, like in the in between like that eight and twelve spot. Like, I just can't fathom them actually going down. I think they have way too much talent in the roster. But I mean, yeah, they're down there for the first half of the season. Why can't they be for the second half? They have more games played than points, and that's never good. No, that's not a winning recipe. <laughs> no, no. That actually puts um, you right in the relegation talk. You keep that up. <laughs> yeah. Next team up, though, uh, in terms of we can call taking an L in the uh, transfer market in January. Leeds, um, they were pretty hot on the tail of Brendan Aronson. Nothing came of that. They, I believe Salzburg didn't want to sell because obviously they're still in the Champions League and they want to be pushing and they view him as a very important piece of that, which is – on a side note, awesome to see, but from Leeds' perspective, terrible because they probably could have used him. Um, they probably could use a couple different positions right now. Uh, I don't think they're relegation candidates or anything along those lines, but if they had any aspirations of pushing up the table, um, you know, maybe they're holding out for a big money move that maybe they might get from Rafinha or Calvin Phillips or something like that. And those offers didn't come in, which didn't facilitate any sort of transfers, but for this window, it kind of feels like they were just saying, fuck it, and we'll just kind of take the position we're in right now as that yeah. lower mid-tier table. They need to hold on Re-evaluate. to as long as possible. Yeah. Um, then we have Man U, an absolute um, disaster. <laughs> you know, it's been it's been a rough two weeks. Let's just go with that. <laughs> yeah. Rough two weeks. Um, yeah. One person, you know, is in police custody. Um, Martial got loaned out. Lingard didn't. Right, I don't mm-hmm. think he ended up. It's nope. absurd, by the way. What's no. up? Which is absurd, absolutely yeah. absurd that they didn't just let Lingard leave. Uh, Vanderbeek, he's gone for the rest of the year. Uh, Diallo, literally didn't bring in the soul. Ronaldo's basically gonna have to put the team. They were on his back already, I guess, like on his shoulders and neck at this point too, and just like, I mean, crawl across the finish line. Like, I don't know what else. He's, he's pretty yoked. They're probably like, yeah, you could, you could, yeah, you got this. <laughs> yeah, you got this, dude. <laughs> You'll be all right. Yeah. Um, he might have a hernia by the end of the season. We don't know. It's an undisclosed injury. But if you see anything lower back involved, that you can pretty much kind of kind of figure that one out. <laughs> but um, for a team looking to push to the top four, and they're on a decent run right now, I thought they would have 
brought in a little bit of something. It's interesting too, because, you know, they have Ragnick and from my understanding about the reports of his contract is that he's going to be the director of football, right. For whatever they do next. Interesting. So even if you're so, manager afterwards, you're going to keep him around. So you would think he would have the ability or the want to pull the trigger now to put himself and his team in a better position a year from now. Right. Hmm. Um, so it, it was a pretty perplexing January for me of why they didn't do anything. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. And the only thing I can really come up with was the fact that now officially that is February. Um, Woodward is out the door officially. Yeah. So that marks a, probably a change in transfer policy. And there you go. it might just turn into the, that they're realizing, look, we're a team that wants to be on the likes of City's level and Liverpool's level again. And if that's going to happen, that doesn't mean spending. 78 million uh, 90 million pounds on harry Maguire. he's like if you're gonna spend <laughs> if you're gonna spend those exuberant sums of money we're going after serious star talent and they're just not available during the january transfer window so uh, the only thing i can think is that they're holding out till the summer and like we have enough for now to, to make the champions league spot it's a fair assessment too honestly so well they got Maguire in the cheap um next up we had <laughs> <Norwich. laughs> what did you say <laughs> L-O-L. <laughs> oh, very serious. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe they won't catch on. And he's like, his eyes are like, wait a second, what? Uh, Norwich didn't really do any much. They're, they're on the you only live once <laughs> you kind, only of, come to kind of mentality. They, Were you uh, worried of pronouncing the acronym? <laughs> yes, I was. Could have been, uh, uh, no, nah, you really came. Yalo. 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 Um, I, well, I don't know what else to even say about them. Hopefully, Josh Josh Sargent now uh, just goes absolutely apeshit the second half of the season and brings them to security. Yeah, and they, then last but not least, we had West Ham. I thought they'd try to bring somebody in, maybe center back, a backup behind Antonio, and then possibly another attacking mid. Um, kind of quiet window for them, and I thought they, considering where they are on the table the aspirations we know David Moyes has come out and said publicly yeah. like, Hey, we want to push for a top four spot. Champions league is within our grasp. And it really, really was, especially last year. Um, kind of shocked by the window that they had. I thought they would have won a little harder. A hundred percent. I mean, they, they had every opportunity. I feel like they probably could have, um, if to your point, like they want to be in that champions league, they want to be pushing Europe. I don't think the squad depth is there. And I still think they, they needed to have those signings to be brought in, to be taken seriously. That's what hurt them last year. They ran out of, they yeah. ran out of depth. Like the schedule was too congested and they, they literally just got gassed. Yeah. And it's a little, it's a little worrying if you're, I think a player on that team at this point, I was reading an interesting article saying like, this might've been the last chance to keep Declan Rice, you know, given how many, how many big clubs circle circling him and maybe one or two of his other players. I mean, you know, they just got Ariola in, in that as well. He's mm-hmm. a big name guy. Lanzini could probably go to a, a couple of the clubs, Arsenal off the top of my head. And this was a chance for them to say, Hey, no, we're going for top four. We're going to bring in players who can get us there and we're going to be a champions mm-hmm. league team. And I mean, it's kind of a worrying sign to, the, to any players they bring in at that point, you know, in the future, obviously not, not this window. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. I thought they were going to go a little harder, but never can't predict what what they do and obviously you don't know what the team finances are what they're looking to do for right, the future yeah. you know player personnel the directors all that kind of stuff there's so much that goes into it that we as fans and just supporters i don't think necessarily know or uh, even look into kind of we just kind of see oh we spent this much money and like why aren't we doing more like there's probably reasons yeah might be one of think out of all the premier league teams who do you think had the best transfer window 
Aston Villa. I, yeah, I, I, I find it hard saying anybody else, really. I mean, good for Newcastle to spend the money that they just got. So I guess if you're looking at, yeah, if you're looking at two teams that really made a push to get themselves out of the situations that they're in, those, those are the first two that come to mind, in my opinion. Yeah, and nothing against Newcastle. I know you, you were saying that earlier, Mike. I just think that the quality of the mm-hmm. signings for Aston Villa were just much higher than yes. Newcastle's quality of signings. I, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah. What about worst transfer window? Arsenal. <laughs> See, I wasn't seriously, wrong. <laughs> seriously, they, no, because they, they were playing such, such, such good football for the last, like, two, three months up until recently, and you just saw the glaring, glaring holes in that number nine role and this and that, and you know exactly what needed to be done, and they went out and tried to fill those gaps. Like, even they know where they are, which is surprising given it because it's Arsenal, and they just couldn't – they couldn't do it and because they, just don't, they can't attract those guys anymore. And I, I think they're going to – I think they had a chance to make a push at least for those la- that last Champions League spot, but I don't know that they will anymore due to the window. I think they'll pull a West Ham and like they'll be very close. Exactly. They, might not be, they might not be in fourth the whole time, but they'll be very close, very yep. close, and just either going to gas out or they're. It's going to become obvious, like you said, obvious. They're like, hey, yep. number nine's not there. We like we're done. You're going to let Aubameyang go for free when you could have held on to him for six more months in case you didn't need him. I understand that the the relationship's not working great, but the fact of the matter is that guy can still score goals. And if you mm-hmm. need goals come that that crucial point of the season, you don't have him anymore. Is he he's leaving in January? I thought it, it was, was a mutual. Summer. It was a mutually agreed. Termination. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was unaware of that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they had some bad blood then. Some serious. Ex- exactly. Bad blood. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, yeah, it, it wouldn't have worked just because of probably the attitude, but mm. from like a business perspective, I mean, they should have tried to amend it for six months at least. Not yeah. even. Shit happens. Any other final thoughts here, fellas? Nope. I'm ready for Premier League football to be back. I know. Excited, excited to see what these new signings for every team can do in yeah. general. Well, some um, teams, not every team. And hopefully happy come 7 p.m. tomorrow night, my time. I yeah, guess 10 p.m. yeah well, that, that's, that's a good point. Go USA. I'd rather not cry tomorrow. <laughs> no, if, they, you know, if they don't you, pick up you, three you points. Don't, tonight, you don't cry on Wednesdays? Normally? <laughs> if you play on Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> what about wine Wednesdays? You know, get a little teary-eyed, a little emotional rom-com. Yeah. That'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, and subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you find your podcast. Give us a follow over on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show, world football, and it'll make Mike happy as well. Uh, I'm your host, Steve, <laughs> with Vito and Mike signing off. <laughs>